G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and Postdoctoral Affairs and CFRC. So thank you very much to both of them. Now today we're very fortunate to have Derek Russell here who is doing a PhD in chemical engineering under the supervision of Dr. Louise Meunier and Dr. Robin Hutchinson. Welcome to Grad Chat, Derek. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. And Derek and I have sort of been emailing the last couple of days and as you know I, I like to try and find out what our students are doing so I can put a rough idea a rough script together to do these interviews and poor Derek I kept having to go back to him because he's unfortunately he's in one or fortunately he's in one of those programs that has a lot of jargon in in relation to their work and of course I am not a chemical engineer and so some of these words that were coming out in in the email I'm thinking what is that about (laughs) so poor Derek had to sort of push me through it and go, well, this is what I'm talking about, Colette. Let me take those words out and, and things. And so, so Derek, I hope you don't, didn't mind me doing that. But, yeah, when none of us are chemical engineers. So that, well, maybe there's some there, but we certainly didn't understand or I didn't understand some of those words. So thank you for, before coming on the show, clarifying some of that for me. Did, did you find that difficult, that the fact I had to come back to you and say, what do you mean here, Derek? Actually, I find it. It's a great learning opportunity for me, and I find that in the past four years, my research is very complex. Right. And especially, it took me a lot of time to write manuscripts, but it's all good. (laughs) Well, I'm sure all your manuscripts are fantastic, and so now I'm going to, you know, make you learn a little bit more about talking to different people people like myself and, and probably talking to your parents next are sort of saying, you know, what have you been studying all this time? <laughs> like, can you make me understand it, Derek? And we go, yes, we can. And this is what it's about. So I really appreciate you sort of supporting me on that and sort of training me through it myself so I can understand it. So let's get on to it anyway. Your research topic is... Oh, even the title, Physico-Chemical Characteristics and Environmental Fate of a Hydrolytically Degradable Cationic Flocculant. Okay, people who, I mean, I know we're in the studio here, but that's when I'd be saying, who understood that title? And I would be going, not me. (laughs) So I had to go and look up some of these words. (laughs) (laughs) But let's, let's have a look. Can you, first of all, give us an overview of what you're talking about here and then I've got some more specific questions. I feel of my current topic is all about environmental assessment of the plaquenic which is which mean polymer. So polymer's like a plastic right? Yeah it's like a plastic. Plastic is one of polymer materials but there has so many applications of uh, polymers. Right. Anyway, my research is pretty much expansion of previous graduate student research. They also demonstrate that this polymer is effective for removing more water 
thumb upon proclamation. This is kind of like a busy me- mechanism. Okay. Between solid particle in the water, that's when they help with treatment of wastewater. So that's why the water can be recovered for reuse, for example. Well, that's always important, right? Because we we need more water. We need to make sure we can reuse the water. But like you said, you want to pull out the bad bits. So with that, let me first ask you, you used the word degradable cationic flocculant. What is that? That is the type of a polymer. It's like you starts with original structure of a polymer. But with time... That polymer breaks down into shorter chains of polymer okay. and smaller species that capture degradation, which is mean breaking down into the water. That's because of waxing that happen with water. Okay, let me just do a double check here. Currently, you're looking at this particular polymer to see how it's used to treat wastewater and to effectively allow more water to be released from the solids in the wastewater, which in turn means more water for us to use again. So that's the first part, correct? Yeah. And what happened is that polymer, the policy of that polymer change with degradation, which means that polymer has become hydrophobic, which means it doesn't like water. Ah, okay, so that's and the big thing. It doesn't dissolve in water. That's why it can help repel water. You said there's two, there's the polymers, parts of it breaks down, but not all of it. And so the bit that doesn't break down, what happens there with that polymer? With that polymer, after breaking down, that polymer actually sticks with a solid. Okay. It stays there. It stays. Okay. Hollow time. But the smaller species that came from polymer after breaking down, they also release into the water. Ah, and then we're seeing what's happening from yeah. there. So when the water goes back into the environment. That is kind of main focus because sometimes the smaller species can be more toxic to human body. Right, right. In case if you ingest dark water, that is contaminated with smaller species. So. so this water that's then been released from the wastewater, like you just saying that, you know, there's other little species in there from the part of the polymer that didn't stick to the solid, it went with the water. Yeah. How are you testing to see the the levels that went out with the water and its effect on the environment? That's a great question. Actually, uh, there are many signals that I can use to look at how it affects the environment. But, however, the scope of my research focus on lucky heart ingestion. Oh, right, so with the human, how is... So yep. it comes back into the human body. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, that is very relevant to one of my supervisors' past research. 
That's handy. <laughs> and she did a lot of research focused on simulation of human cattle intestinal. And the nice thing about my research is that no previous research has been conducted on polymer. Ah, uh, okay. To date. So, to date. So you're, you're unique. This yes. research is new. It's very unique. And also... Surprisingly, Hanlock has literature review and the Hanlock March Environmental Impacts Research has been done on polymorph. Right. So, I find this really exciting. I think it's really immersive research. You know, it's interesting too because we, we have all these products or byproducts of, for instance, from wastewater and things and, and eventually it does get put back into the environment and when it goes back into the environment, eventually it's going to come back into our own systems or animals and, and, and plants and things and so it's going to have an effect somewhere yeah. on those and if it may have been going into the plants first but then we're eating the plants so when you're looking at the human body, so we're looking at these these effects of these little polymers, these other species as you call them, what are you finding? What is happening inside our bodies in the gastrointestinal tract? What are you finding? Are they getting picked up by the body? Are they getting spewed out by the body? What's happening with these polymers? That is um, in case in real environmental condition for that case of like clay, this is kaolin. I use this like a model clay to polymer. Okay. But after when polymer binds to solid, this was happen during the typical wastewater treatment process. Right. But when that resulting mixture goes through human body, that polymer remains to stay with solid. It doesn't go. It's actually just pass out without any concern in case how heavens does polymer dissolve in water. Like what have a contaminant dissolve in water that can potentially cause concern in case if that contaminant can go across barrier of intestine. Right, so it's actually getting then, into the system. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And what are you finding with that? Um, based on combination of results in my work, I find that the mixture of polymer and solid doesn't cause much concern. Okay. Because it's well passed through. Because it will pass through. However, for the case of smaller species, this is like it's a products after degradation of polymer. Yes. His will remain to dissolve in water. Okay. That can potentially cause some concerns. So when you say concerns, do you mean it's going to... You used the word toxic before. Does that mean it's going to be toxic to our bodies? And if so, how? Or is it means it's going to get into our system and change our molecular makeup somehow, you know, mutations and, yeah. and things. So what, what do you mean by that? To put this way, that smaller species, one of products versus 
like black saw next stage. That is his slightly larger mongols. Right. It can cause adverse effects in systemic circulation. Oh, okay. Based on reference. However, one of smaller products is Nexit Hexit. Actually, it's a very common compound. Well, yes, because we, we build up lactic acid when we're running and things like that. Yeah, that, that compound is found in various food products. It's not that concern. But in terms of toxicity, which means that chemical can cause big change in molecular mechanism right. to help the human body. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we have to be careful of that. Yeah, how does me? Otherwise, we're all going to become mutants. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say it like that, should I? <laughs> Actually, in terms of big picture, there's a hot topic going on, which is focused on microplastics. Right. Yeah. Right, yes. So, the polymer work with hacks somehow similar to microplastics. So that's why even government of Canada, that's a very good research topic right. they focus on right now. Yeah, because one thing starts and then another thing goes on and it opens up our eyes to other things, right, doesn't it? Yeah. And so that that's amazing. So I have a question here. Which suitable analytical equipment can be used to quantify the degradation products released into water upon degradation of the degradable cationic flocculant? Because, I mean, you're looking at how this is affecting in the human body, but what kind of equipment are you using to sort of figure this out? I mean, it's, it's got to be, all, be able to sort of look at the microscopic level, right? In terms of suitable analytical equipment, actually, it took time for me. Oh, yes? To find out which equipment work. Like, for, for instance, when I look at one equipment, when I get the result, I check this result with harder technique. Right. To, right. to make sure these results are consistent with each other. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I find out that based on three different like few different techniques I use, these results are very fine with each other. Okay. And as a result, I have published the papers so far. Uh, well, that's great. Anyway. <laughs> it's nice to be able to publish. <laughs> no. But I think I just want to go back one step. So if this has all come about about how to help take more water out of, of waste products, wastewater, to allow us to have more water to use again, which is great. So are you measuring that part or are you just measuring getting those little products to measure just within the human body? Because you need to know the first part, don't you, before you can see the effect on the human. That is a good question. Actually, previous grad students done a lot of work on measuring how much of water we need from treated sediment. Okay. It's already done. Right. And similar plaquenet. And that undergoes degradation. However, my research focus on identification of smaller wrinkles. Right. And that has its B 
be done by previous squad so that we search back how fine so hit the to find smaller moon goals that's important especially when I come at doing next up how have a raising environment of hacks of using the okay. polymer at smaller smaller moon okay so that's always you know, we don't want to put the chicken before the egg. We need to see the whole system, right, of how we get, how it's getting to our bodies in the first place. Do you think that the novel or novel degradable cationic flocculants can be safely used for wastewater treatment? Personally, I feel that that flocculant can be safely used. So you do think so, okay. Yeah. Because that's polymer remains to absorb to solid particle. Right. This will pass through your main body. Okay. But that's only one polymer. And I know, I know. you're I know you're only working on one. So I guess it's um, I guess maybe your colleagues are looking at other ones to make sure what is the safest one we could be using. Yes or no? It's to both this way. I actually I realized that I work with few more polymer, which is commercial, which is used in Hexel industry. I have tested already on using this commercial flocculant with a kaolin as well. Okay. And I find that the flocculant with a positive charge as a hand group of that flocculant is able to bind very well Okay. And that, and that's the ultimate goal, right? You want one that's going to bind well to the solid. Yeah. Okay. So if we if we can get more binding to the solid, the better it is. Yeah, that's my thinking. Especially the one of commercial flocculant is different because it has negative charge as a hand group. Oh, okay. So yours is positive, and that one's a negative. Yeah. Right. That polymer I work most of the time with. It has positive charge. Okay. And because how the clay how work with which is kaolin, it has negative charge on it. It's more negatively charged in water. In water, okay. It's typical condition. And my thinking is it help the polymer remain to attack to the solid like a whole time. Like the whole time. It can provide beneficial. Well, for in case have you have someone accidentally interest the right. resulty polymer solid mixture. And one of commercial flocculants, it has mixed negatively charge. It can cause rebel. Okay. Between flocculants and solids. Right, so then more is going out with the water. Yeah. It's well remain dissolved in water. Right. And then there's commercial products of this flocculant and then the ones that you've been looking at. Have you been using the ones, for instance, what's happening here in Kingston in wastewater treatment? Actually, the last part of my PhD research, actually, I'm, I'm using the same degradable flocculant to test model manageable wastewater. Okay. That wastewater is even more complex. It even includes various chemicals in it. Right. 
So yeah, so I, how are they tested? Well, I guess you have to, don't you? Because you've got to be able to control it somehow in in your lab work. If yeah. you're using what's out there at the moment, like you said, there's a lot of other byproducts yeah. that you want to sort of eliminate those so you can see exactly what this one product is doing, yeah. which is not an easy thing to do in, in a model. So what kinds of equipment, I mean, I know we talked a little bit about equipment and we talked more about analytical equipment, but what about equipment and getting these samples and testing it through this model? Or is it all on computers or is it, here's a, here's a test tube and it's going through and this is how it's going to work? Yeah. In that last part of my research, I actually use the same equipment. Well, I try to use at least three different types of equipment. Right. It can help me get a conclusion from right. more complex mixture. Right, which is important. <laughs> I think that way it can help me provide conclusion to what happened. Have I used that product when you see model kings in wastewater? Right. And had it attachment of that flock list with dissolved solids in that wastewater. Then after that I look at how the resulting mixture have impacts on human body. And I think that comes to this, the question then, is why do you think assimilation of the human gastrointestinal system is suitable for environment assess- assessment of the degradable cationic flocculant? So we're kind of doing a bit of a circle here. We've, we've looked at the first part, then how it looks at the humans, and then what happens to the next. So, so why is it important? Because you, could you not have done this on simulating, say, an animal, an animal gastro system? To birth this way. I try to focus on scope of my research. Yeah, and scope can easily get out of out of hand, can't it? Yeah. So. yeah. Well, that's one avenue. The other thing here is that's a high demand for drinking water for humans. For humans. In, in the long term. Right. I think if I focus on this, it can help provide good contribution to my current PC research. That's good. And is this something you want to continue looking into? I mean, a, a PhD is a long time. And as you've already alluded to, there is a lot to find out. And this is just one polymer that you are looking at. So is this something you feel you can pass the torch on to someone else to go to the next level? And then I guess the question is, what's next? Is it the hope that the government municipalities, et cetera, and the water treatment people will look at these results and say, okay, perhaps we need to change how we do some things here? And that's a great key point of a future research work, especially when they come with evaluation of polymer water and a certainly use for like any industry wastewater. Right. Yeah, I keep thinking I, I keep yeah. thinking of one area only. Of course there's the industry yeah. stuff too. And even municipal site mm-hmm. and his well involved Lucky has animals model. Another main point I want to come up. One of reason why I focus on simulation how like a fluid for human intestinal system is that it can help 
reduce the cost significantly in case of you see the live animals for study. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. and that's important. And I think the result obtained from my current research is beneficial because it can be provide con- like a controversial assessment in terms of how much like a maximum amount of contaminant, like chemical, yes, that can pass into the into system. our own system. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 fascinating, Derek, because I know, and I actually am glad that you're looking at the human system of how it's affecting that, because there's so, so many toxic elements and things that are getting into our soils and all this sort of thing, and we're then reingesting it and. And we don't know how it's affecting us, so we've got to find out. And, and the gastro system, gastrointestinal system in humans is a fascinating area in itself because, like you said, some things the body automatically just flushes straight out, comes in, goes straight out. But the issue is what is being in, continuing to stay in the body and how that is affecting us. So unless we know what kind of levels they are and then what their capabilities are, we could end up being really sick, as you said, for, for, for reasons that we're going, well, what, why are we sick? I mean, what, what changed? Yeah. Well, the changes of these other things that we're using to, in, in one way, is trying to give us more water back, but it has consequences sometimes. And it's trying to restrict those consequences that it still ends up being good for us and good for the environment and good for all the, the animal kingdom, etc. So you're doing some really important work, even though I must admit it was a bit confusing in the beginning um, when you first sent me your information about what you're doing. But thank you so much for explaining that to us, because for you, I know how easy it is because you know exactly what you're doing. But for someone like me, it's like, okay, so how does this affect me and how does this affect the environment? And for a long time, I was just thinking about when I use the word wastewater, it's wastewater of humans kind of thing in the in the areas down here in Kingston. But it's much bigger than that. Yeah. And so uh, thank you very much for explaining that to us. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for inviting me. And I feel I'm very proud to participate. And it's, it's a great way to do different things, especially during the busy time. Yeah. So, thank you. Oh, PhD is not an easy thing to do, so I take my hat off to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially in chemical engineering. Oh, yeah, it can go in all sorts of directions. I would not know when to stop, and I, I like the way you use the words, the scope of your project. It's easy to go outside that scope, but we've got to remember, keep it together, because yeah. otherwise you can't reduce those other elements because you're bringing in new things which can totally change your results so really difficult to do but i take my hat that you're keeping on that the right track and unlike me going but what about this what about that (laughs) i know how is i can catch you with experimental work but that that truth is it's much better focus on the scope. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're clearly doing that well, so I appreciate yeah. that, and I'm sure in the future too we'll be even more appreciative of it. <laughs> so that's it, everyone. A Another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. 
Don't forget, you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. Just type in a grad chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.